watching prohibition fall down. So welcome to the 2.30 presentation on auto-flowering cannabis. Um, please silence your cell phones. We've been having a lot of problems with that today. I am Shane Golos, host of the Shaping Fire podcast. If you like listening to smart interviews with the top minds in cannabis, I invite you to check out the show at shapingfire.com. We also have an extraordinary YouTube channel with over 150 speaker videos I've recorded at events just like this one. Uh, this presentation will be posted there next week. There are postcards in the back near the door to help you remember the name Shaping Fire. The uh, upcoming presentation is titled Success with Modern Autoflowering Cannabis from Shango Lokes. Oh, that's me. So it looks like uh, since I'm moderating the room today, I'm also introducing myself. So here we go. A summary of the points that we're going to be talking about today is number one, we're going to talk about who is likely to benefit most from autoflowering cannabis. We're going to talk about where autos come from. We're going to talk about the most common objections to autoflowers. And we will point you in the direction of some quality breeders and where to find more information. So the important thing to start out at the beginning is to realize that even though autoflowers have become awesome, there's still a lot of variability. And so a lot of the things I'm going to say um, float somewhere between best case scenario and the better seeds that are on the market. Um, a lot of people um, righteously hate autoflowers. And, and those folks generally come into three categories. Either um, they were growing autos back in the day of the low rider days when it was a cool idea, but the yields and the terpene profiles were atrocious. And it just, it, it wasn't very rewarding. And and so they got a bad reputation, as we all know, um, reputations are hard to change. Um, the second challenge can also be that um, a lot of people just like to grow frickin' trees. And autoflowers have not really hit that, that point yet. Um, and then third, some people are just using seeds that um, are not as well developed as other seeds. So the, the vast majority of what I'm gonna tell you today is kind of based on the cutting edge of where autoflower seeds are, but does not, is not representative of every seed in the market. So it's really important to do your own research. This is not one of those situations where you're all gonna be like, this pack of seeds says autoflowers, and I want an autoflower, and so I'm gonna buy a whole bunch of this one seed and, and, and devote my entire crop to it. I don't recommend that. I recommend you getting um, a lot of variety of seeds from different folks, uh, do a trial, and then decide, okay, these are clearly the ones that meet the needs that I'm looking for myself. Ruderalis crosses are not something that's new. They've been around for a while. What's new and why everybody is talking about it today is because the latest seeds that come out by some of the top companies are just smoking. And if you are part of a very particular audience, um, they could be, well, very literally life-saving if you're a patient. So we're gonna first start with by talking about cultivators who are most likely to benefit from autoflowers. First and foremost, um, my heart is always with home growers, right? I, I do business consulting and I help commercial folks as well, but, but really at my heart, I am patient and home grower centric. So we're gonna start there. Um, the, the number one reason why home growers adore autoflowers is because their speed from germination to, um, to harvest. 
um, there are a handful of different uh, lengths of time, depending on that chemovar at this point, but generally they fall into 60, 90, or 120 days. And for those of you who were here for Jeff's presentation earlier, you got to see his pictures of you know, how fast a 60-day plant goes from germination to being prepared uh, to harvest, and it's, it's really astonishing. And it's, it's crazy too when people talk about a 60-day or 60-day autoflower. You know, since we're used to regs um, uh, flowering for eight weeks, you're like, oh yeah, well that's just like a regular plant. It's like, no, I don't mean 60 days for the entire plant to to uh, to, to flower. I'm talking about 60 days from germination to harvest. And then that's around that point is where people start, you kind of start to see the mind get blown a little bit. They're like, wow, how many, how many rounds could I do in my tent? How many rounds could I do outside? This summer, for example, I did two rounds. I did one round that I popped in April and harvested the end of June. And then I put some more in the middle of June and they're gonna be harvested the end of September. So I'm getting two cycles in one summer with no pain in the ass light down. The second thing is that, um, of course, where the uh, flowers get their name. They get their name from uh, because they do not flower based on photosensitivity, right? Most cannabis plants, uh, they will start to f uh, flower sometime in mid-August when the light cycle gets uh, down towards, you know, nearish 12-12. Uh, where we live in the Pacific Northwest, it never gets to 12-12, right? So, so um, most of our plants kind of like get crawl into flowering at about you know 13 and a half hours or so, um, which is one of the challenges of growing in the Northwest and another reason why these autoflowers are great. What triggers autoflowers to uh, uh, to flower is is more uh, maturity, right? You know, in the early days, people were telling me, ah, you know, it's when the it's when the roots hit the bottom of the pot and it causes them stress. And I even repeated that a few times. And then I toured uh, Oregon CBD Seeds Farm in Albany, Oregon, and they've got you know all these feet fields full of beautiful flowering autoflowers and I'm like, well, how far do their need, uh, roots need to go down in order to hit the bottom of the pot? And this, so this can't be right information. So I stopped saying that and, and got further educated and found out that actually, no, it's, it's when the plants hit their maturity level, they just automatically go into bloom. And that makes a lot more sense, uh, both scientifically and observationally. Another reason why home growers really like autoflowers is that, you know, home growers have got a lot of uh, unexpected things and short opportunities. For example, um, let's say that uh, you're moving and, 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 you know, I hate it when, you know, I, I want to move, I want to have my grow, but we're going to, we're going to plan on moving September one, right? So I'll get all my veg in, but before the plant even finishes flower, somehow I've got to go. So that means that you're going to, you know, rent a U-Haul and move all your plants and hope that you don't break off all the branches and go through all that malarkey, or you just don't grow at all. So for for people who are home growers, the idea that you can say, okay, I'm going to move September 1, so I'm just going to make sure that I plant uh, June 1 or May, mid-May, and be like, hey, now we harvest it and move into my new place instead of my new tent and start there. Um, also, there's other opportunities, like let's say that your roommate doesn't like the, you know, cannabis around. Maybe they're concerned about it, and you know, you rightly want to respect their interests at the house too. Well, fine. They're going to take off on vacation for two months with their family and something. You're like, fine, you're gone. I'm going to grow a 60 day and you're getting like totally weed up while they're gone. Um, these are the kinds of things that you know you have to be aware of when you're a home grower. Um, also another thing is that um, 
The plants are very naturally resistant to pests and deficiencies due to their short cycle. And I experienced this last year, last summer, it was the first year that I really legged into autoflowers. And I realized that the, the cycle was so short, it didn't give me a lot of time to F it up. And you know, it's you know, I, I'm a novice grower, no, no question about it. I am not a pro grower and I'm not a breeder, but what I am is a student and I care about it, and so I do my research. And so what I realized after I grew it is like, wow, about the time that it starts flowering, it's done. And so um, you know, we all know that when you're using regs, one of the things are right, you don't want to spray during your flower, right? So that means that you have to be very um, proactive for pests and botrytis and PM during your veg so that you can kind of hopefully coast and maybe even upgrade to beneficial insects during the flower to get to the end. Well, if that's going to be eight to 10 weeks, that's a long time hoping to keep, you know, the plant in good shape. Whereas if the entire life cycle of the plant is going to be 60 or 90 days, um, you have a much smaller window that you have to not screw up. And for home growers, you know, that that's, that's a real benefit. I mean, we've got lots of home growers that they're new to growing. It's new in their state. It's new to them. They're just learning about cannabis medicine. You know, for whatever the reason is, just because you want to grow does not mean that you need to have, you know, uh, gotten, you know, given yourself an epic amount of, of education on it. Um, autoflowers are just that easy. Also, um, you know, because they're, uh, the, the plants are crossed with the ruderalis plant, which we'll talk about in detail, uh, well, in more detail uh, about where it came from, it's a hardy plant, right? So it's, it's from the nether regions of Russia. It's got small stomata on the bottom of the leaf that makes it um, less, uh, less likely to get uh, molds and, uh, and pests, which is just helpful to any home grower, especially a new grower, any, any extra, you know, uh, points to your advantage you're going to take because um, sometimes the plants just feel like they take forever and you've got so much uh, invested in it as a home grower. I mean, so, I mean sure, you've got, you know, the, the things that you purchased and you're using the room in your house or in your yard, but also home growers are very emotionally involved with the plants and I know it myself firsthand and they're, they're like adding extra kids into your house where you're like, you know, the unzip the tent, hey, good morning, everybody, how's everybody doing? You know, this is not uncommon and if you've grown at home, you know you've done this. And so, um, when we have that kind of an emotional uh, connection with the plant, because we're only growing four or eight plants, um, using autoflowers are helpful because it makes the entire process more manageable. Um, and lastly, they're easier to fit in a tent. So, um, you know, uh, growing in tents are fine and, you know, we can top our plants to keep them short. Um, but uh, there's something really nice about being able to choose you know between two and four autoflowers and a four by four tent and grow those all at the same time instead of committing to one or maybe a second plant that are going to become monsters in a four by four tent um, because you've got less cumavar choice you've got less strain choice you know when 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 the stuff comes out of the jars you won't have as much variety to smoke so for me um, I find that I'm really enjoying uh, growing four autos in soil in a four by four or tent instead of one plant that's going to be really large. Also, they're easier to hide in your yard. 
And that's important, right? Because for those of us who live in neighborhoods, we want to be respectful for our neighbors. And more importantly, if we are growing in a state where cannabis is not allowed, or if um, you know we've got picky neighbors, um, or we've got neighbors who will want to smoke all of our weed, we just don't want them to know, right? And so one of the beauties is these plants are you know generally shorter. Um, there is a lot of variety, as I said at the beginning, about um, you know between the seeds. So I have seen plants that top out at two feet consistently, but I've also got other plants that top out at four, four and a half feet consistently. And the crazy thing is, is I've used some folks' seeds and within the same pack, some will top out at two feet and some will top out at four feet. So that's some of the variability that you've got to look for when you're buying seeds. And, and before you commit to a lot of any particular seed, make sure you do a, you know, a run of 10 or whatever to, uh, before you go ahead and, and, and do a whole uh, field of it. They're also smaller sized, meaning that they're going to produce less smell for your neighbors if that's a concern for you, especially if uh, you're in an apartment building or you're living in these like, you know, tall, thin townhouses um, where everybody's a really odiferously close, let's say. And so, you know, it's a smaller plant, but because it grows so swiftly, you can do two rounds of small plants to replace um, what you may have done before, trying to do one large plant during during the season. But the great thing is, is that even though they are smaller plants and you're gonna get less overall terps to bug the neighbors, the terps on the plants can be very excellent. And again, this is a variable thing. Not all breeders are at the same place with the lines that they are working. There are certainly standout uh, breeders in the scene right now. And uh, so it's important to know though that even though I'm saying your, your neighbors won't complain as much about the terpenes, it doesn't mean that the terpenes are poor. It just means that the plant is smaller. Uh, next, they're easier to hang to dry. Now, you know, some people like to take their, their large monster trees, maybe cut them in half and just, you know, hang them in long rows. But most home growers don't have that kind of space. And certainly you can take a tree and hack it down to individual branches and hang all of those. But when push comes to shove, home growers are almost always short on space. Uh, the picture that you see here is actually my own bedroom last summer. <laughs> and, uh, and so I, I pulled my, 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 my stock and hung them above my bedroom because I live in a one bedroom house, right? And that's, that's what I had. And, and the only space in my house that was not being used actively was the air space above my bed. And so that's what you get. Note to self, I'm not doing that this year <laughs> because I realized that this is totally a JV error, but I realized that when you cut plants and you hang them during the first week, all of the inhabitants come down. So I was getting crab spiders and other spiders and who knows what, and they were all rappelling down into my bed as the plant was dying, as it was supposed to, and that's so sketch. And, uh, and, and you wanna, you wanna like really impress your significant other, you know, explain to them that there's gonna be rappelling spiders coming down into the bed. Just, just 10 days, babe, so it's gonna be okay. <laughs> 
So um, it's also great because, you know, a lot of us who are home growing, you know, we're working a lot of hours. And there's just no question that the otter flowering plants take less work. Um, the, the, the cycle is shorter. They're not as big. I mean, they're, they're, I mean you, can, you can easily call them cute, right? And because of that, they really just take a lot less maintenance. And, you know, growing regs, you know, I have been in the situation where I'm working my day job and then maybe I meet a friend after work for a moment and then I go home and the rest of my evening could be in the garden. Um, just making sure that this, this reg plant of mine, that which is which I'm all in on, right? Because I'm only going to get one round. Um, you know, it's going to be in good shape. Um, but with the autoflowers, I find that I'm spending a lot more time just sitting around with them, looking at them, enjoying being a cultivator and being able to interact with, for me as my medicine, I had a brain injury in 2011. And so uh, I think that there is something very heartfelt about growing your own plants and, um, and autoflowers give you more of the enjoyment and less of the hassle. All right, so that is it for home growers. Let's move on to a subset of home growers, which is gonna be patients. And this is actually where I spend most of my time uh, working with patients on Vashon Island where I live and traveling the country to talk to doctors and naturopaths about how to use uh, cannabinopathic medicine. Um, so, so patients, of course, really enjoy all of the stuff that we've already mentioned about home growers. All that stuff easily cross applies to patients who are growing at home. But the reason why I was originally attracted to autoflowers is because the compactness and uh, the lack of deficiency just makes there less work for a patient to do, which is important because a patient is mostly trying to cultivate themselves, right? They are spending their time going to the doctor or making sure they're taking their meds or sleeping a lot or whatever they have to do for whatever they need relief from, which leaves them less time for the plants. And the fact that they are so easy to take care of is, is a wonderful thing. Also, a lot of patients that I work with have got decreased mobility, right? So how is a patient going to like harvest an eight, nine, 10 foot plant? It's, it's very difficult to do and it creates a challenge that just doesn't need to be overcome. Same with trying to hang these types of plants. The compactness of an autoflower plant really makes it just perfect for uh, for a, a patient grower. Um, so we will just hit on that and move on. So let's talk about commercial scale growers. So the first time I saw a commercial scale grow was last summer when I visited, um, actually that would have been two years ago now, when I visited um, Oregon CBD seeds in Albany. And, you know, I've seen pictures of fields of cannabis from, you know, you know, Pakistan or Afghanistan, and you look at it and, and you know, as a, enthusiastic stoner, I'm all like, I would love to smell that field, right? You know, you know they say that in the old days in India, uh, they would uh, they would get naked and run through the plants and collect the sharas on their nude skin and then come in and then rub it off their skin and then, and then start that with the hash. And I'm all, sign me up. You know, and so you know that's that's not an opportunity that we've had. But when I went to visit the Crawford brothers down at their farm, I was all like, you know, I'm like the field's right there. Nobody's out here. We've we've got seven acres. I could probably get covered with something or other. You know, and so um, but but you know, joking aside, it was it was powerful emotionally. I was there two weeks before harvest, and the entire aroma of their their RNA, the really nice auto strain that they do, that's high in CBD, um, it was powerful, right? We all know that the terp uh, profiles of cannabis are there to put us in a good mood, to stimulate us, to to soothe our endocannabinoid system. 
And when you're when you're standing in fields of it and having that experience, it's it's pretty fantastic. So there are definitely advantages for commercial growers. So number one is their compact size. Now there is no question that there are certain com commercial growers who are going for monster plants, and. Honestly, that we're getting to be the time where that's going to be more about prestige and marketing and Instagram photos than it is more about um, getting the most out of your acreage. Because if you can do two rounds in the same location and have the plants be um, compact and easier to work with, it just increases your efficiency. And I'm one of the first people to go F efficiency because I'm all about artisan growers, right? But I also know it's unrealistic to think that that the, the industry is going to only be artisan growers, especially with the like wicked fast onset of hemp growing, right? And so if people are gonna be doing acres and acres and acres of hemp, um, if you were to try to do that with all 10 foot plants, it would be a real pain in the ass at the end of the season. But if you are instead harvesting a whole bunch of three footers, uh, suddenly if you've left enough room between the rows, you can just pull down a slide and chop and drop and chop and drop and it makes it very efficient and and you have repeatable results um, now there's certainly smaller and larger chemovars right if if you like the idea of the uniformity of um, the uniformity of the plant, but you really feel kind of disgusted philosophically by three-foot plants. So go find yourself a bunch of um, uh, seeds that will grow between four and five so that you feel like they look more like the plants that you're used to, and you'll be getting more yield off those plants, generally speaking anyways, just because they're larger size. One big advantage to using autos for, um, for commercial is that there's almost never a need to cage or stake um, for two reasons. Number one, they don't get as monstrous as some of the trees do from regular plants, um, but also um, because they're crossed with Ruderalis genetics, these are like strong like bull, Siberian Russian genetics, and, and all the autoflowers that I've had, even the ones that were kind of crappy, you know, from, from, from folks, they all had uniformly thick stalks. And, and so with the thick stalk, and they're a bit shorter, and be, just because they, lit, they, they, they exist in the world a shorter period of time, you're not gonna get the same yield. You, it's really nice not to um, have to cage them and then uncage them as, uh, as steps in your uh, commercial cultivation. Um, it's also nice that, that plants treated the same will likely grow the same. You know, there are a lot of reg seeds that you can get that um, while the genetics themselves may be stable where whereas they're gonna smell and look the same they, they a lot of them still uh, act differently when you uh, actually pop the seed and I know at the beginning I said you know there's a lot of there can be a lot of variability within one seed pack that's why this is still an evolving part of the industry right I'm not here to tell you that that this is a complete system and this is down and you can just walk away from your regs. What I'm saying is, is depending on what your needs are, especially if you're a hemp cultivator, you should really consider autoflowers and get yourself some trial seeds and start educating yourself because you know there are very good um, 
you know, there's a very good case to be made that autoflowers are the future of commercial cannabis and the large monster plants are gonna become things that we grow for um, artisanal uh, reasons and just for vanity because it's still cool to show off pictures of like a 10 foot plant. <laughs> Um, uh, so um, it's also really great if you're going to be doing something indoors um, and outdoors. So uh, we all know how fast, um, how fickle the buying the buyers are, right? Um, it, 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 they they won't it just they, they'll come to the store and they'll say, "I would like you know this," and they get something and they come back and the bud tender says, "You want that again?" They're like, "No, it was great. Give me something else." Well, you already said you like the first thing. Yeah, but I'm expanding my palate. One of the great things about autoflowers is that they cycle so quickly, you can be bringing new flavors onto the market in half the time. And that really means something, especially if you're working with retailers who want the new new, and if, if, if um, you know, we've all run into the situation where the retailer says, listen, you can't keep product on my shelf 365. And because you can't, I'm going to give it to somebody else who can keep product on my, on my shelf all the time. Well, if that's the case, instead of you doing one big run of regs and then your harvest date just gets older and older and older, what you're doing, what you can do instead is run auto flowers and be harvesting these things every 60 or 90 days and continually be pushing new, new uh, flavors into the market and, and your more dedicated buyers are gonna love that because they can stay brand loyal to you um, and also they can uh, be exciting their palate and continuing and changing ways. Oh yeah, and one other thing, uh, commercial growers. Um, you know, uh, I know a lot of the speakers in this room today have talked a lot of trash about uh, defoliating, you know, removing leaves, and um, and you know, there that, that's I think that's a worthwhile debate to have. But people are still doing it, right? And because um, autoflowers tend to be a little more open uh, and give you a little more access, um, you know, not all of them. A lot of them are will still be tight, but generally speaking, they're a little more open. There's a lot less need to defoliate for uh, for get to get air in and to allow uh, light to get to get to the lowers and the big thing is is that no doubt one of the most attractive attributes of autoflowers are that most of the big um, providers of seeds are also feminizing them and you know whether or not you like feminized seeds that can be a whole secondary debate and also another seed that is coming back from a, a from a difficult reputation but if we're talking about the people we have so far home growers patient growers and commercial scale acreage growers all of them love feminized seeds the only folks who would really be pushing against this are folks who are attracted to the old ways and the old school and they and they want these 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 taller seeds or or maybe they just love cloning so um so let's talk about where autoflowers came from because we're starting to get an idea that they might be very useful in some situations so uh, here is a map of russia and you can see uh, up towards the top of russia there um that's the arctic ocean 
and um, it's cold there, and it gets they get snow there. And so what we found was that Ruralis was first identified and described in the early 1900s, and it was found along the Volga River system in Russia. And many say that the, the it is its own species, but that is also something that's up for debate. It certainly acts a lot different than cannabis sativa, um, but really the jury's still out on that. Um, the original plant was uh, you know, it had no little uh, an insignificant amount of THC. It was there, but but you would smoke it and nothing would happen. And the terpene profile was like kind of akin to dirt. Um, but what they found was that it was super hardy, and that was the important part. They were growing it, or it was growing feral in like really bad rocky soil, and and because of where it's located um, in northern Russia. Um, um, it, had, was, it had adapted to a wicked short potential growing season because it's winter most of the time there. And also, um, during the time that the plant would be growing, um, depending on exactly where you are in Russia, you're very likely to have 24 hours of daylight then. And so scientists are saying that you know chances are that between the short opportunity for growth during the summer and also the inclement weather and the, the, the poor soil quality, low nutrients, that this kind of combination um, packed these auto flower characteristics into a plant that was just waiting to become raw material for, for breeders nowadays. One of the other things that I thought was interesting, oh, I guess I already gave you the information on the slide. We'll go through it real quick. Uh, short summers, it was great for rope, it didn't have THC. And uh, life cycles are 60, 90, and 120. But actually, the reason why I put this slide in here is for that photo. So, so that is a huge um, field of cannabis. It's not autos, but it's in Pakistan. And, and since we were talking about Siberian winter, I just wanted to point out that what this picture is, is the first heavy snow in Pakistan on this small community and they let the first snow lay on their plants to make them cold and then they will cut them this day and go and make hash out of it. So think about how we all are making ice water hash, right? They're making snow hash. <laughs> so badass, right? So anyway, it's, it's off topic, but whatever, it's cool. <laughs> so let's talk about objections to autoflowers. I feel like this is pretty much what I have done for the last year since I like came out of the closet as an autoflower lover. Um, because you know everybody has their thing they hate about autoflowers. And you know, a lot of them, a lot of it's pretty legit. Um, most of it though is just precious. So let's say number number one. Um, it's not a large size. Um, this is my friend Matt Storm at Emerald Triangle Organics in Humboldt, standing next to one of his typical plants, right? Absolute monster. People love this, right? I would say anybody loves this who's into cannabis, but dudes really love this. This kind of like monstrous foul thing that they created and then will then get them stoned, right? <laughs> A lot of dudes push back against autoflowers as being cute, elegant, 
dismissible. And, and they just need to kind of get over that if they're going to interact with autoflowers. You know, do they have to? No, but it is a common objection, but it's only, it only matters if you are really kind of emotionally connected with growing a monster plant. I mean, everybody likes bragging rights, right? Um, but for me, after, after meeting autoflowers, I've realized that I, I would much rather uh, be bragging about the killer terpene profile <laughs> and, than, than the size of the plant, especially when you bring it back to, to the fact that I work so much with patients. Also, um, it limits horizontal space, so you need to go up. Right. Let's say that you have got a uh, a canopy uh, limitations in whatever state you're in, and so you can only get so wide. Well, if you can only get so wide, growing double the autoflower plants may not be a workable business decision for you, even with two cycles. You're gonna have to work that out for yourself. But if you can go up. Well, then there's going to be a really good case for you to stick with regular seeds that are going to be extra tall because not only do you get the width space, you get the vertical space as well. You know, autoflowers don't have an answer to that, but I got to tell you, the people that that applies to is very small and, and may not include you. Um, also, some people are all like, all right, oddly shaped flowers. And it's true, you know, um, it really depends on whose seeds that you buy. Um, and there's a lot of people breeding um, uh, auto seeds right now. Um, and I've seen a handful of, of different types of flowers. You know, I would say most of them look just like you would uh, think a regular flower would look. But some of them show more of the ruderalis in them. And um, a lot of them will look like kind of like foxtailing for those of you who know that is they just kind of like come out in these kind of like jagged foxtails and so um and 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 people look at that and they're like what what plant is this as a matter of fact we have a patient on bash on island who won some autoflower seeds from um well i guess i won't say who um and and they grew them this summer and, and she sent me a picture and she said um is is this is this okay is this smokable and i said well how does it smell she says smells fantastic i said i think you're in good shape you know like dry it and and go for it and and so it was just that that, that one moment of like is this the same cannabis that I grew up with. And so as the seeds develop a little bit more in their looks and, and you know, as these lines get more stable, you know, so occasionally you might run into oddly shaped flowers. A lot of people say, I can't breed with them. And it's not true, right? Certainly um, uh, you're gonna run into more challenges trying to breed from a feminized autoflower. But I'll tell you, man, I am, you know, when I'm, when I'm at events now, people hand me reg seeds of autos all the time now. And if you've got boys and girls and you're willing to up your research game, there is a lot of fun that you can have breeding autoflowers. And, and you're, um, you can even be doing this just as a home grower, you know? And so there's, there's a lot of fun, fun to have there. So, so people are saying, yeah, you can't breed with them. Uh, what it means more is like you just need to up your game on, on how to breed. It's not it's not quite as simple as regs. So we've hit on this once or, or already, but um, low yield is still an issue as well. And again, it's really about the seeds that you choose. And so do your research in advance. But 
you know, over the, you know, when you, when you add together the, the two cycles and that they're so much more convenient, and if you find the right seeds for you, um, yield may be a, 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 a you know, non-issue for you. But it is legit that the plants are smaller, and on some of the plants, the spacing between the flowers um, are a little wider. Um, you know, know your genetics. It's not just a buy and go. It's about educating yourself about your purchase before you move uh, full of uh, uh, forward. And then um, also there's a, there is still some variability from seed to seed that we talked about, about. And you know, this is, this is a legitimate concern, but it's not like these people are saying, you know, autoflowers suck. They've got low yield. You can't breed with them. They're small and they taste like crap. Well, those attributes might be true about some small subset of the seeds in each category, but Anything that has got all of those is not being sold on the market anymore because that's not what the market demands. There are plenty of really good breeders, you know, even right here in Oregon, that are selling premium seeds that will, you know, cause you to be overjoyed whether you are a home grower, a patient, or cultivating at mass size. So, um, next steps. Let's say that you are now titillated by autoflowers and you want to know more. Um, these are some of the uh, companies that I have personally grown their gear and had great success with. Oregon CBD right here in Oregon. Mephisto is, is regarded by most to be you know, top tier. Um, Zero Zero Seed Bank out of Spain just started shipping into the United States and they've got US distributors now. A new upstart that is great Sebring Seeds. Uh, this guy is a, ra a radical pro-patient grower. He makes his seeds and he sends them to patients across the country for the cost of shipping. Just badass, right? Um, and that's one of the things that I like about working with autoflower people. Um, the green rush has not hit the autoflower scene as much as it hit the reg scene. And there's still a lot of people who are uh, really doing their uh, growing from their, from, and, and growing and trading from their heart. I'm not saying that's not true still in reg. I got lots of great friends who are regs, but, but, but there's so many reg seeds being bought when you see what it feels like at Emerald Cup in the seed tent, you can feel that it has changed a little bit. And, and that's, you don't really get that from the autoflower folks as much. Um, and last, I wasn't able to uh, get his uh, logo up, but you can be sure that when this video goes on the, uh, on the YouTube channel, the logo will be there. Um, Mandalorian Genetics, you can find him on Instagram too. Um, I called him and I told him, I said, dude, I gotta give you some kind of award for germination rates. Um, he sent a bunch of seeds for us to spread around all of the patients on Bashan Island where I live, and our germination rates were 100 for 100. And nobody else that, that sent seeds was, was 100 for 100. And, and think about it too. These are patients who barely know what they're doing in many cases, and they're still popping. And so uh, we're, we're big fans of, of Mandalorian. So uh, if you want to get educated, I am going to repeat the same forum that Jeff um, suggested earlier today, which is autoflowernetwork.net. This is the home of autoflowers. And uh, it's a really cute story too, because um, you know, autoflower people wanted to participate in the regular cannabis growing forums. And they were ridiculed and made fun of and like as you can imagine in that kind of environment and so a few years back they said all right forget it we're going to take 
you know, we're going to take our autoflowers and we're going to go set up our own sandbox. And so they did. And autoflower.net uh, was born. And uh, that is a great place to um, get reviews of, of seeds and seed companies, um, learn some tricks that people have learned about growing autoflowers. And, you know, if you really want to get steeped into it, if you are a cannabis you know, enthusiast to the nerd level. This is where you want to go for the for the premium premium info. And finally, it would not be an autoflower presentation without plugging Jeff's new book that comes out on October 22nd. Um, I am very grateful to have gotten an advanced copy and read it, and it's a it's a good book. One thing to know about this book, um, uh, besides the fact that you should buy it, is that um, if you're already a professional grower, this this book is going to be much. Below your knowledge set, um, but if you have got family and they are sick, and you've encouraged them to grow their cannabis so that they can feel better, or if they're just like badass gardeners and they love working their garden and they'd like to expand their garden to something new and cool and easy, this book is just really great. It will bring anybody, even people who are resistant to cannabis, along from the very basics of cannabis and why you want to try autoflowers and how to actually do it. So um, it's a great book, comes out October 22nd, and if you want an easy link to the pre-sale on Amazon, um, you can go to my Instagram at Shaving Fire, and there's a link to it if you follow my profile link. Do it today. Do it today. <laughs> All right, so with that, I've got four minutes left, and I'll take um, a couple questions. And um, since you know I'm moderating the room, uh, and I'm the one who is running the mic. Uh, I'm just gonna, I guess I'm just going to have you um, uh, yell, yell it out. So, so yes, sir. I got it. Oh, okay. Anyways, um, I can speak for you. <laughs> um, my question for you is about uh, consistency. Um, when we're looking for uh, something that you said that we're more familiar with with cannabis, uh, are there? You mean like bud structure? Yeah, okay. structure, because I noticed like the stuff that leans more ruderalis doesn't seem to dense it as much, and it doesn't seem to, and from what I saw, it seemed to grow in the same physical way that uh, another autoflower that seems to lean less off of the ruderalis. Can you try that again with different words? <laughs> <laughs> My question is, is uh, what's the best way for us to know uh, if we're going to have a structure that's more like cannabis that we're familiar with mm. versus the ruderalis. The only way to do it is to trial, right? Um, they're, they're, I would never suggest that you commit to a big purchase without running a couple packs, you know, yourself. I mean, for a lot of people who autoflowers are going to be appropriate for, they're growing for fun and for smoke anyway. And so for those people to see some variation in the plants, that might actually be kind of cool because you're comparing and contrasting and that's pretty cool. But if you are growing either at the commercial level, either in the licensed or the unlicensed market, um, I would not just jump into these. I would say uh, do a run that's RNG buy a bunch of different packs and then just run them and then after that use those data points to either say this gives me the bud structure I want so that I've got good bag appeal and then this other stuff it may smell good and smoke good but maybe that's going to go into my head stash if I have to move the other stuff yes are there any issues with cloning? Because it sounds like if you found a really nice plant and you like the look of it, you could just clone it out. Yeah. Since this stuff has already gone into flowering stage so quick, how do you, can you 
<laughs> sure. So I'm going to give you I'm going to give you an, the, the the usual answer, and then I'll tell you that I'm probably wrong. Okay. So, so the, the usual answer is that autoflowers cannot be cloned because the stress immediately causes them to flower. In my experience, that has happened every single time because even though I got the warning, um, I'm a researcher. I'm going to try it anyway, right? Um, but when, when I talk to like my hardcore breeding friends, right, they'll say, oh, no, you can do this, you know, and we're trying this. And so I'm thinking that um, the state of the art right now is that you may be able to clone and do some breeding magic with some of the lines, right? Just, but I'm only really basing that on, on secondhand information. Um, but, but you're right. The rule of thumb though, is that autoflowers are, I can't be cloned because that stress causes them to flower. So yeah. Yeah. I, I might be like on photo period defense, but cause I want to try autoflowers for sure. Uh, you and Jeff have both said, you know, eight, six, nine months, this long period, as well as for what? For the period, for uh, photo period okay, uh, plants to finish, and giant plants, and then also the the, the time the light needs to be on. I think Jeff references went up to 20, 20, even twenty four hours on. So if I don't have plant count, I can select the right photo string. Plant count meaning so I'm going to plant eighty five six inch cubes or something. Right. Right strain being like sixty days or less. I just want to emphasize like photos don't have to go or they don't have to be giants. There is a learning curve there or like the Dutch table method, I think it's called where you can grow a whole bunch of photos, really squat and still have some of the attributes and there's a learning curve there too. But I guess it's just, you guys are both preaching pretty hard on photos don't have to be huge. Outdoors they get huge. It's almost impossible to fully control them unless you really know what you're doing. But, you, you said autoflowers. You don't mean you mean rags. Yeah, cool. Right, yeah, yeah, right, right. Yeah. yeah. So, all right. So I get your I get what, I get what you're saying, and 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 you're right. Rags are great too. They shouldn't go away. But it also wasn't a question. And since I'm making the case for autoflowers, I'm going to use the worst case available for okay. the rags, yeah. right? So, so you know, there there are certainly. I mean, hell, I mean, you could if if you wanted to keep your rags small, you can do what I have to do in my my smaller outdoor hoops, which is just like top them several times during the yeah. year, so that yeah. the flowers don't end up in, you know getting wet from condensation. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, there's ways that you can manage your rags so that some of the downsides that Jeff and I were both talking about don't happen. But but you know, in general. General, this was less a comparison of regs to autoflower in every situation and more like freaking try autoflowers. Yeah, these yeah. are the bonuses. Yeah, right on. I do need a freaking try. All right, so so I've run out of time and I've got one more thing to say. So so not for commercial folks in the room, but if you are um, a patient, if you identify as a patient and you grow for yourself for your own health. Stop by and see me because um, uh, Mandalorian, Sebring Seeds, and uh, Mountain Rock Farm from California all gave me some packs to give away to authentic patients. So if you've got a company, go buy your seeds. But if you're a patient, I've got some to give away. So that's it. If you want to show your friends this, you can find it on the Shaving Fire YouTube channel next week. Thank you very much. I'm Shane Holos. It's just weed, it's just weed I like to keep good buzz on, on, on It's just weed, it's just weed